All right. Good to be saved. Good to be in the house of God. Didn't I say something last night about leaving stuff on the on the what? What, you, what even is that? They're going to be calling my name. FedEx delivery stuff? Come on. <laughs> All right. Hey, good to be saved. Amen. If you're not, it would be good to get saved. Trust me on that. Yes. All right. Uh, Pastor reminded me today. Well, I, I, you know, he tried calling me today, and uh, I saw that I missed a call. And the reason I did, I wasn't ignoring him. Uh, I, I turned my phone off. For church last night, that's a good thing. I forgot to turn it back on. That's better than the other way around. I mean, you know, and uh, so, uh, but another thing you reminded me about is, um, is I got some books out on the table, and I'm such a professional salesman and all that, I forget all about them, and so you guys that took one thinking they're free, bring them, bring them back. The little pamphlets are free. <laughs> no, but the books are $15. I put a little card out there now and a, and a little box to put the money in. So that's, did I do good? Is that okay? Because you forgot again tonight. You said you were going to do it, but amen. All right, so praise the Lord. You ready? We'll find out. If you're walking through the valley, there are shadows all around. Do not fear, he will guide you, he will keep you safe and sound. He has promised to never leave you, nor forsake you. His word is true. God is good all the time. He put a song of praise in this heart of mine. God is good all the time. Through the darkest night, His light will shine. God is good. God is good all the time. Sinners and so unworthy, still for us he chose to die. He filled us with his Holy Spirit, now we can stand and testify that his love is everlasting and his mercies, they will never end. God is good. In this heart of mine, God is good all the time. Through the darkest night, His light will shine. God is good, God is good all the time. Though I may not understand all the plans He has for me, my life is in His hands. Through the eyes of faith, I can clearly see God is good all the time. He put a song of praise in this heart of mine. God is good all the time. Through the darkest night, His light will shine. God is good. God is good. He's so good. God is good all the time. Amen. You know, we're not. That's why we don't sing about ourselves. That's why we don't brag on ourselves. That's why it's real easy to see that it's all about him. He's batting a thousand here. I want to be on his team. I'm on his team. Amen. But I want to be in the first string. I mean, I want to be clean enough vessel to be used of the master. Yeah. Amen. And he'll let, he'll let you. Yeah. 
Amen. Ready? All right. Take your Bible tonight. Go to uh, Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Amen. Good. Amen. Philippians chapter 3. And let's get some water locked and unloaded here. Man, because, you know, anybody, you know, with a bladder problem, I got extra waters. And, yeah. <laughs> wow, I never thought I'd be saying that. Flip in chapter 3, familiar, familiar passage. You know, I'm not the deep guy. I just, uh, I just love that book. It speaks to me. I know it doesn't speak to I, I hear other preachers preach, and, and we're talking about it somewhere, and, and they'll, they'll preach. A message, a, a, I mean, a passage I'm well familiar with, even maybe something I preached out of. And I, I'll listen to them and uh, go on for an hour, and I'm going, I've been reading that for 20 years. I didn't, that, I didn't see anything like that. I heard a guy preach one time, and I said, if that's what we're supposed to be doing, I'm getting a job on the way. I'm getting a one ad on the way home, and I'm getting a job because I don't, I don't get it. I don't see that. Amen. Uh, but you know what I've learned is uh, God called me to do what I can do and what he enables, and that's all I'm going to do, and that's all, I'm, that's all I'm responsible to yes. do. And then I noticed this, too. I got a little more going for me than I did 20 years ago and 15 and 10, and that's the way it's going to be for you. Amen. Amen. This is God's work. Amen. And God's the one that deserves the glory Amen. for what happens. Amen. So I'm just, I'm just enjoying myself. Philippians chapter 3, in a, in a familiar verse, again, I say I'm confident of. Paul writes this, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That was Paul's goal. The prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And what we know is there were forces in play to prevent him from reaching that goal. I mean, we refer to it as the spiritual battle. It's amazing across the realm of Bible-believing Christianity. I mean, that's our crowd, right? Uh, it's amazing sometimes the way professing Bible-believing Christians are blindsided by things that are clearly warned about. Amen. Paul was the one that gave us the, 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 the context of the spiritual battle, and he knew there were forces in play. And he wrote in 1 Thessalonians 2 and 18, Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. So he had a goal. He had the right goal. He had a noble goal, and uh, it wasn't a cakewalk. So why would you think your Christian life is going to be? All right? Now, the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, believe it, being where it is in the New Testament, in an epistle, written to a, a church, written to believers just like you and I, Saved by grace through faith. Amen. Not of themselves. Amen. Uh, uh, the, prize for the, uh, the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus should be your goal too. That would be a good goal to have. And, uh, but it's not going to happen by itself. And not even close. There are forces in play to prevent you from reaching that goal. Amen. It says in 1 Peter 5 and verse number 8, uh, be sober, uh, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a wrong lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Amen. You have got a supernatural adversary. You're no match for hot shot. I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care where you went to school. I don't care how many verses you know. You're no match for him. Amen. So the solution there is to submit yourself, therefore, to God. Amen. The closer you get to God, amen. He'll keep moving. The devil will keep going by looking for easier prey. Just make sure you're not easier prey next time he comes by your way. Amen. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, if that's not bad enough, now, 
Paul mentioned his supernatural enemy, and we see we have him too. And But we got another problem added to that. And uh, it says, Paul wrote again in Romans 7, in verse 18, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. <laughs> so I know some Christians that got that figured out yet. But it's right there. It says, For the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. Don't you get frustrated sometimes that with the best of intentions, you still get tripped? And you know that Bible says uh, uh, that those that oppose themselves, if God prevents them, well, uh, or give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil or taken captive by his will. Isn't it frustrating that you can be doing pretty good and all, next thing you know, you're like, it's like the, the devil sticks a wrench in your spokes and next thing you know, head over heels and you go, what happened? Amen. Sometimes it happens because you just aren't prepared for the reality that it could. Amen. Paul knew that. And uh, not only did he know that, he, he gave it to us to remind us. Amen. Let me give you, uh, uh, you know, we talk about the world, the flesh, and the devil. Your worst enemy, your worst enemy in an effort to live for God meets you in the bathroom mirror every morning. I assume you brush your teeth and stuff, you know, I guess, you know. But you understand what I'm saying? And uh, so uh, I want to help you. I want to give you a message tonight based on Paul's strategy. Amen. To reach his goal. And if that's your goal, makes sense to me. It might work for you. Amen. Let's give it a try. Like my dear friend, uh, Brother Tyler prayed that I've known Brother Spurgeon since I was a child. <laughs> he ain't the only one. Would you pray for the message tonight, Brother Joseph? Amen. Thank you, brother. You know, I just noticed there's a drawer here. I never... Yeah, I'm in somebody's pulpit every week. It's really interesting. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm afraid to open it. Don't worry. I'm not opening it. Amen. All right, so, so we're going to, again, we're going to look at Paul's strategy for reaching that goal, the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, and uh, gives it to us in a uh, nutshell in uh, verse 13. So let's look at verse 13. And we're in Philippians 3. And the Bible says, uh, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those, which, those things which are before. And then there's a comma, and then there's our text tonight. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So he gives us some things there. Uh, I think a couple things, three things there in the verse. So let's go down. Uh, number one, let me help you tonight. Beware of thinking you've arrived. He says, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. Amen. Uh, listen, just take my word for this. Um, when a fugitive is apprehended, that, that, that means they got him. Yeah, just trust me on that. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and so you're, I remember the first time I heard a, a guy that was, should have been listening to some reasonable godly counsel by somebody that cared about him. I, I remember him saying, I got this. And I thought, man, that's a formula for disaster. And it didn't take long for him to find out and everybody else too. He didn't have that. Uh, near is under control. He didn't have it right. as good as he right. thought it. And Paul says that there's danger in that. I count not myself to have apprehended. And there's a great danger to thinking I got this when it comes to the Christian life or, or the Word of God. Like I said, 
I understand a lot more Bible than I did 30 years ago or 20 or 10. And that book's alive, and that book reads you, and that book will give you stuff when you're ready for it based on your motive. And uh, so I'm looking forward to reading the Bible till it's over, till they uh, stand before my coffin with one. Amen. And uh, so he says, uh, you don't never nail this down. There's no experts. The people that I know that were at this the longest, that knew more than anybody on the planet, got to the end of that thing and said, man, there's a lot of stuff I don't get. And I can't wait because I'm getting ready to talk to the one. You follow me? Amen. All right, so number one is beware of thinking you've arrived. Now, Paul says, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. Let, remember, Paul is no dummy. He's, he's a highly educated man. No one ever confused Paul with being an unlearned or ignorant fisherman or anything else. Amen. But even after almost 30 years of service, he begins the verse 13 with these words, brethren, I count not myself. To have apprehended. So you want to be real careful. Maybe you got some things. And maybe you got some things nailed down. But you want to be uh, real careful of uh, thinking uh, that you got this thing. Amen. Uh, let me tell you something. Here's a sad thing. The Laodicean church age. That's where we're at. Right? And we're not going to be part of the go with the flow. We're not going to be part of that. That says I'm rich and increased with, uh, with goods and have need of nothing. Amen. The longer I'm saved, the more I'm in need of. Amen. My wife will amen that. Did I hear that little voice? <laughs> Did I hear that sweet voice? <laughs> no. Amen. And uh, amen. But the problem with us as Bible believers in the Laodicean age, uh, they make it, when I say they, I'm talking about they. They make it easy for us to start believing we're way more spiritual than we really are. Now, we're Bible believers. I'm t- I said spiritual. Yes. Amen. And uh, because, and here's why. Because uh, compared to those that don't understand the perfect salvation of God, eternal security, yeah. amen, we got a lot going from. People that think you can lose your salvation, there's a bondage with that. That's no accident. How do you live a victorious Christian life if you're not positive you're going to heaven and that's no accident amen i tell you the devil created religion and uh, boy he pulled off one there and uh but i got a bible that says wait a minute you can know that you have eternal life amen i got saved in jail and i had been in a church in over 20 years in the church i was raised at they didn't believe in eternal security. They didn't have the right Bible. They were nice people. They were great people. I don't ever remember being told that I needed to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but I found it too easy to blame them that I never got saved. Whether If they said we had to be saved, I don't remember. Because I know this. My wicked heart, 1969, 70, 71, wanted to go out there and have fun. And it took a little while to get to the far country and over 20 years to get back. Here's where I like to say, thank God for a praying mother and father. Amen. 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 So then I get saved, and I just thought it made sense to me to go visit the church that sent the preacher to the jail and thank them, amen, for praying for me. And I'm on a pre-sentence investigation. I'm on my way to prison, and I never dreamed I'd ever actually get to be a church member, amen. Uh, uh, But the first thing they started talking about was eternal security. And after that was the King James Bible. And after that was rightly dividing. And I ended up getting uh, probation and spending five years there before going into the ministry. And that stuff was just foundational. I didn't have to be retaught, relearned. I had an advantage. I got saved in a non-denominational county jail, and I didn't have to relearn anything. I was a heathen. Amen. Ray Charles could see everything I was good at was bad. (laughs) Amen. And so... But if we get stuck comparing ourselves to people that don't understand something that some of you are born into, so you're not here, you're not a Bible, eternally scared Bible believer because of any spiritual journey or quest 
you were on. Uh, some of you got it handed to you just like me. Problem is, some of you don't appreciate it as much as I do. Amen. But compared to the many people, let me tell you something. There's churches all over this country, and I'll tell you what, many of them are full of very nice people. And some of them are on their spiritual quest, and, and if they want the truth, God will give it to them. Some of them are going to end up in our churches. Yeah, I could ask for a show of hands right now and ask how many came through the charismatic or the Pentecostal movement. I could ask right now how many of you were Catholics, like my wife. Amen. Raised in a Catholic family. Let me tell you something about Catholics. They make great Christians once they get saved. Amen. Knowing about him and knowing him is not the same thing. Amen. I want to tell you, be careful of thinking you've arrived because you know something somebody else doesn't know. Amen. I feel sorry for people. I listen. I'm always on the road. I'm traveling. And uh, I don't listen to radio at home because I'm sick of talk radio. And I get sicker of list. I mean, I get sicker of listening to professing Christians uh, 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 doing their best and using the wrong Bible. Right. Drives me insane. And then, then this woman will start talking, and you find out she's the pastor somewhere. And then I'm back looking, listening to Sean Hannity, and he drives me insane. That guy says the same thing over and over for 20 years. I turn him off too. Amen. But I tell you what, uh, I sure am glad I know the King James Bible, the Word of God. I sure am glad that we have a foundation. I'm no builder. I kind of was in destruction before I got saved instead of construction. But uh, I got enough sense to know that uh, you got to have the right foundation. And according to Matthew chapter 7, it makes it pretty clear the foundation is the Word of God. And you can build on uh, sand, and it can look pretty good, but it ain't going to withstand the storm. Now, listen, I've been through some storms, and they're not near as big as some of y'all's maybe, and some of you've been through some too, but by the grace of God, we can survive it. I feel sorry for people that don't have a Bible, but I'm real careful of thinking I'm better than them, because that nurtures a different spirit I think we'll get to, I'm not sure. And uh, just to be honest with you, I can't... I didn't know nothing about the Bible, so when they start saying, okay, the Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be shaved, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, my preacher was a school teacher before he got saved. So he was a teacher, and he well understood uh, that the main teaching method is repetition, contrast, and comparison. I wonder where they got that. Oh, that's right, right out of the Bible. So I'm telling you what, he would spend the first 20 minutes of every, every Sunday school hour, because I was at every Sunday school hour. Mm. Yeah, yeah, well, you ought to be. You got to get up anyway. You don't have a hangover, do you? Get to church for Sunday school, you deadbeat, amen? You can pay me later. And... uh Amen. In a, oh, yeah, I mean that. Amen. <laughs> so I'm going to Sunday school, and I'm just there. And uh, whenever I got involved in something, good or bad, I got in. And if it wasn't worth it, I got out. But when I got in, I wasn't, I wasn't a weekend warrior ever. So, okay, church is meeting at 930 on Sunday, and morning church is quarter 11. I'll go at 930. I was the one back in the, in the club days that hated to be told, be told what he missed. One time I missed a big run. We called it a run. I don't know what you would call it. Camp meeting? <laughs> mm, convention? <laughs> I don't know what. But I had to miss one because I had to fly to Miami to give a lawyer 100 grand because, you know, we always had little legal issues. And, uh, and I missed this weekend. And I was doing stuff I was supposed to be doing, stuff that I was entrusted with that most weren't. And I get back, and I, when I got back, I, somebody says, oh, man, you missed it. You really missed it. You should have been there. And this happened, and this happened, and this happened. And I didn't like that. Uh-uh, that burned me up. I don't like being told what I missed. I like to be the one telling what you missed. <laughs> Amen. I got saved. I found out the same way. Oh, God, somebody got saved last night. Amen. Glad I was here. Yeah, amen. amen. And sometimes you can't. But if you can, 
You ought to figure it out. You ought to be there. So that preacher, every Sunday for a year, taught on rightly dividing the word of truth. And I am so green, not like in the green way, you know, like, you know, like, what am I trying to say? You know, huh? Hippie. You don't even know what a hippie is. <laughs> not in the environmental way. Amen. And uh, I was just green, raw, knew nothing, soaking it up like a sponge. And, uh, and uh, so after a while, after he taught on it for a year, and I just thought, well, that makes perfect sense. And, uh, and so that's why this means that you can't, you don't have to do this to get saved, and you can't lose your salvation, because they're rightly divided, and it all makes sense. And then I get to major denominations, and I find out that most of the problems in the body of Christ are because people have believed heresies because they don't rightly divide. Yeah. I was in Pahokee, Florida one time at a drive through at a, I don't, was it a Wendy's, something like that, on Sunday afternoon. They're taking us out, out for dinner after Sunday morning church, like a lot of people do. Did you remember that memo? And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and so in, we were in Belle Glade, because so, there ain't nothing happening in Pahokee. And we're down in Belle Glade, and this is where you go. You go to the Wendy's drive-thru. And, uh, and I'm sitting there, and I got scripture on the back of my Jeep, and uh, somebody like three cars back gets out of the car, gets out of the car, runs up to where we are, and says, Act 238, Act 238, Act 238. And, of course, that's about repent and be baptized. And went back to the car. I thought, wow, that was a bold witness right there. I'm really <laughs> impressed. I'm glad I understand that baptism has zero to do with salvation. And I'm for baptism and all that. But I just... Sometimes we take it for granted that, uh, uh, well, we think that because of the things we know uh, makes us better than the people that don't. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And I will say we have a, light, a lot going for us. But the problem is when we start comparing ourselves with others, 2 Corinthians 10 says we're not wise. Not wise. I wasn't very wise for most of my adult life. Let me do the math. That was true. I don't know now. I've been saved a while. Amen. But something worse than being uh, foolish, uh, thinking that you are better than somebody else, nurtures a spirit of condens con condescension. I started to say condensation. I don't even know if I'd know the difference. Amen. Amen. Um, let me help you if you're not sure what that word means. It means, I'll spell it for you, P-R-I-D-E. That's the danger we run. Because of those, some of the things that I just mentioned that we know, we get really, we get proud about it. There's a passage in Luke 18 that gripped my soul a few years back. That Pharisee, Luke 11, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers. Why well, thank God I'm not none of that too. I don't have no problem with that. I thank God I'm not. And uh, I know why I'm not, too. And it ain't because I'm a good guy. It's because the Lord Jesus Christ, he lives right there. Because the Holy Spirit says, hey, Spurgeon, what are you doing? And I tell you what, thank God he does. Amen. You, wanna, you don't want to drown out that still small voice of God with junk in your life. You want to be, and as you mature in the Lord and learn to be sensitive to that, you'll be so glad that you got that going for you. Amen. But, but, but the verse didn't stop there. He says, or even as this publican. Uh, he wasn't out on a street corner when he said that. The publican, the Pharisee, walked into the church house, walked into the temple at the hour of prayer, went into the same church to do the same thing. And here this guy is, uh, man, I've seen him. And this guy standing there praying thus with himself because probably nobody else would talk to him. And, uh, yeah. and he's judging the, guy, the ch fellow church member? Yeah. Boy, that's a problem. Yeah. And the point of the, of the passage in, in Luke 18 is to point out the problem. Amen. Let me tell you something tonight. Nobody has arrived. Yeah. Amen. Where you've arrived is here. And if I knew the address, I'd throw it out there like a real professional. But I don't, I don't care. But I'll tell you this, 
Paul wrote this, he said in Galatians 6 and 3, For if any man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. I'll tell you something we're prone to do, boy, is deceive ourselves. Uh, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Amen? Say, whose heart? Yours. Mine. The heart of man. Said He wrote this, Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians 8 and verse 2, and if any man think that he knoweth anything. And you know, we get some Bible in us and we think we know something. But the, and it's good to know some things, but if any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing yet as he ought to know. And I'm going to tell you what you need to learn. You better get past that pride thing. You're gonna, you better get past that pride thing. You better get past thinking that you're better than everybody else. If you're ever going to be used to God, you're ever going to be a blessing to God. Amen. Now, I get it. You can sort it out with him at the judgment seat. What about between now and then? Well, let's do something for God while we can. The greatest Christian who ever lived knew he hadn't arrived. You better be aware of thinking you have. Now, just in case, I know I'm kind of soft-spoken and mild, uh, so just in case that was too subtle. Let me put it to you like this. Somebody in here tonight might just need to get off their high horse before the Lord knocks you off. Is that clear enough? You know, I drive around Kentucky, those thoroughbreds out there, they're tall. It's a long way to the ground from a high horse, buddy. Amen, amen. I, I, that, that's like, amen. Yeah. Wake up or I'll start over, I promise. All right, so Paul's given his formula, his strategy uh, for reaching the goal, the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Number one is uh, beware of uh, thinking you've arrived. You might be saved. You might have some victory. You might have some experience. Praise the Lord. And, uh, but buckle up, man. The ride's not over. Amen. <laughs> when the merry-go-round stops, then you can get off. Amen. Be careful. All right, let's, uh, the verse goes on. What? What? Uh, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but watch this. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Now, so let me say to you, be careful about living in the past. Be real careful about living in the past. Memory lane might make a nice place for a stroll now and then, uh, but you don't want to live there. I go there occasionally. I go there occasionally. I think about where God saved me from. And, uh, and it ain't because it was fun or glorious. It leads me to remembering like David wrote in uh, Psalm 40 and verse 2. He brought me up also out of that horrible pit. And out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established uh, my goings. And it's good to remind yourself that the pit was horrible. And the clay was miry. What's that mean? It didn't want to let you go. Sin that we get involved in, drugs, liquor, etc. I don't even want to run the list. That stuff gets a hold of you, and it don't want to let you go. Kind of like being addicted to social media. I just thought of that. That was good, though, wasn't it? <laughs> I'm going to pencil that in and just wait a minute. Amen. Good to remind yourself that it was uh, not what your flesh wants you to remember that it was. It's good. To, uh, it's really good to remember who brought you out. Amen. That's past tense. He brought me out. That's past tense. It's good to remember. It was Jesus Christ. It wasn't you. And some of us here is our problem. We clean up nice. I know we're still, you know, but uh, compared to the old days, it looked pretty good. I never had a suit on uh, for 20 years unless I was going to court, which, you know, regularly. But anyway, and uh, clean up pretty nights. Nice. And uh, sometimes we start thinking, well, we've, run some, we've memorized some verses and we've got a little diploma on the wall and we've led some people to Jesus. And, and I'll tell you something, man, anything good comes out of your mouth is because of Jesus Christ. It's because of the grace of God. And you better make sure you remember that. Amen. All right. And then it's really good. So the path. He brought me up out of, out of an horrible path. That's the path. Out of the mighty clay. That's the path. Jesus Christ, change your path. Set my feet upon a rock. It's good to be reminded uh, who's got a hold of your present. Your present as in your right now. 
Amen. It's him. And more important than that, perhaps more important than that, perhaps a great provoker to keep you on track is to remember who holds your future. Are you saved? Yeah, there's rough roads, but it's going to turn out at the right place. Man, that stuff blows me away. I'm so, I wake up still after almost 33 years, and I think, I can't believe I'm saved. I can't believe I'm going to heaven. I can't. I mean, the longer I'm saved, before it was a head thing. Now I like, is this like real? <laughs> it's the realest thing there is. Amen. And so although the path might be a play, nice place to visit occasionally, uh, memory lane is not where you want to be building your house. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 15 says this, And truly, if they had been mindful, mindful, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity uh, to have returned. Amen. That's why we talk about burning bridges. Amen. You need to burn the bridges with your past life. Amen. The bad stuff. All right? Because... Staying mindful of where you come from is going to give you an opportunity perhaps to be drawn back. It gives your path an opportunity to catch up with you. And we got that's not philosophy. I'm not a Christian counselor. That's King James Bible. Amen. And it's right there. It says not to be mindful of where you came from. Amen. I get guys, sometimes people invite Christian bikers, bike unchristian bikers. Amen. Sometimes they're hard to tell the difference. And, uh, and uh, to hear me preach, to come, and, uh, and uh, I, a guy will get me off to the side, usually after, and say, we got a lot in common in the past. And I'll say, look, man, I don't really want to talk about the past. Amen. I said, Let, I like talking about the future. Yeah. Do we have anything in common in the future? Like when I die, I'm going to heaven. How about you? Are you going to heaven? Let's leave the past in the past. I'm, listen, man, we were at war with a lot of motorcycle clubs. Some of them have come and heard me preach. Some of them want to say, well, your friends killed my friend. I said, listen, I ain't here to talk about the past. I'm here to talk about Jesus Christ who changed my future. He'll change yours. I get Christian bikers that will claim to be saved that want to dwell on that stuff just because they got an opportunity. I'm going, pal, go somewhere else, else with that stuff. Yeah. I'm not living there. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I want to reach my goal. Amen. And so I want to be real careful about living in the past. Only your flesh wants you to think of the uh, good old days. And if you'd be honest with yourself, you'd admit much of it wasn't very good at all. Paul wrote, forgetting those things which are behind. Then he wrote, reaching forth unto those things which are before. So his strategy was, okay, now I got to, uh, beware of thinking you've arrived, and then, and then be careful, got it? Yeah. All right, I'm glad you're saved, I'm glad you're in a Bible-believing church, but uh, you just want to be careful, you want to stay humble, the Bible says for honor is humility. Uh, you want to beware of uh, thinking you've arrived, you want to be careful of living in the past. Yeah. I mean, well, that flesh will trick you into thinking, yes, I can... You spend too much time there, buddy, and you get a little too mindful of that place. And what do you, you think Demas left a revival meeting and then stopped at a bar on the way home? No, he got mindful of some things that he was hearing about, may have ever even experienced. And next thing you know, dropped his guard. Having loved this present world, that's not the testimony I want to have. You either. You wouldn't be in church on a Thursday night and trying to help you. Reaching forth unto those things which are before. Let me uh, just say this. Uh, be sure to maintain forward momentum in your Christian life. Yeah. Reaching. Reaching forth unto that which is before reaching requires action, effort, movement. Take your Bible. We're going to hold your place there. But, uh, but uh, take your Bible. Go to 2 Samuel chapter uh, no, 1 Samuel chapter 17. One of my favorite passages about David and Goliath. And that was about the extent of my spiritual depth 
before I got saved, David and Goliath, Jonah and the whale, you know. And uh, But uh, if you got David, first time in 17, you got David and Goliath. If you haven't read it, you should. And uh, But you got David facing off against Goliath. In verse 48, And it came to pass when the Philistine arose, that's Goliath, and came and drew nigh to meet David. Now, you got to try to picture the difference between the two of these guys is like Tyler Campbell and me. I mean, like, you know, okay, that wasn't too good. Like Tyler Campbell and normal people. Amen. Uh, Goliath was a big boy. Amen, to put it mildly. And uh, so David, he was strong in the Lord and in the power of his might and all that. But when they got face to face, sometimes you can talk big. But when it comes where the rubber meets the road is face to face. So here we are. Now that they're on the battlefield together, David's been through all that with Saul, King Saul, and threw off his armor and got his stones, and he's out there, and they're approaching, and here's Goliath beating on his chest and got the whole army, a victorious army, uh, shaking in their whatever they wore. And uh, here comes David, a young man. And he's out there, and when that push comes to shove, and again, the rubber meets the road. Look what it says. Uh, I'll read it again. And it came to pass that when the, Philist- when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. That right there is maintaining forward momentum. He charged. And David's testimony as king will be in led of the Lord after prayer. He led his army into battle after battle, and they were victorious time and time again. By maintaining forward momentum, let me give you the converse to that. Second Samuel chapter 11. Second Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. I hate to even bring this up. I hate to read it. I hate it that it's in there. I hate it that it's true. I hate it that it could happen to me or you. So you better read it, and you better heed it. Second Samuel 11 and verse 1, And it came to pass that after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, it's like football season or baseball, so they had a season, okay? Oh, it's, it's, late, it's late August, time to go to war. <laughs> what is it? At, a, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab. And his servants with him, uh, and all Israel. And they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. Now, Joab was a skilled, skilled general, and the army were, were the best on the planet. And he sent, sent his number two guy, and, and they went, and they won a victory. Why? Because they did what they were taught. They did what they knew how to do. But, and that's the key to the passage, the last sentence of the verse said, but David tarried still at Jerusalem. Look at verse 2. And it came to pass, uh, it came to pass again, didn't it? And it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. At the time when kings go forth to battle, not the time when kings go walking on the roof of their house at even tide. Because that's when the women in the other houses that are not as tall as the king's house are bathing. They didn't have running water. And David went up there at the wrong time. Well, at wrong time as we look at it. Looks like he knew exactly what he was doing. He went up there, and uh, it says there it came to pass. And I'll just uh, bring it down to to say no more than I want to say. One thing leads to another. And the next thing you know, David's looking at things he shouldn't have been looking at. First, he was at where he wasn't supposed to be. And then he was looking at things he shouldn't have been looking at. And that caused him to start thinking about things he shouldn't have been thinking about. 
And boy, the next thing you know, he's doing things he shouldn't have been doing. And I got news for you. Every one of those things exists for you too. And that's why it's in there. There's a warning to you and me. Amen. David did great as long as he maintained forward momentum. And so will you. Amen. We're talking about maintaining forward momentum. When water doesn't flow, it becomes stagnant. When water gets stagnant, it stinks, doesn't it? It breeds all kinds of nasty stuff, creatures and bacteria. And when Christians stop moving forward, they become stagnant too. Amen. There's a verse in uh, Psalm chapter 1 and verse 1. Says, uh, Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, uh, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. And I'll tell you what, the seat of the scornful, that's the stagnant Christian. They ain't doing nothing, and they're critiquing everybody else that is. I heard a preacher say one time, I'd rather be doing it wrong than doing nothing like you. Amen. And you don't want to be that guy. I recommend everybody in there. Now you get saved and you get some victory and you get some Bible. Always be looking for something to do for God. Always be willing to volunteer, tell a pastor. Well, this guy, don't worry about him. He's going to come up with things. Whether it's tree preaching or a ministry, just make yourself available. Bible school I went to, it wasn't like, well, I'll pray about it. If a door opened, you went through it. Amen. You went through it. Everybody ain't uh, cut out or or to do everything, but, you know, you ain't going to find out unless you give it a try. Yeah. And uh, so you better find something to do for God. Our church, Anchor Baptist in Dayton, Ohio, there's stuff going on. There's stuff going on all the time. And uh, you can, we love going home, and we'll try to get involved, and we miss almost everything. The consolation to being away from our family and our home church, uh, what make, and our grandkids, the consolation is we get to be with you. I'm serious. Some of you, I remember when you was raw and fresh, and I come back a couple years later, and I see you excited about God, and that reminds me that we're involved in the only supernatural thing on the planet. Now, I've, been, I've done a lot of things in my life, most of them bad. Some of them pretty spectacular, but I ain't never done nothing, seen nothing yeah. in my life than like when God moves. And I thank God he still saves people, but he does more than that. And he, there's some families here that got more stability than they ever dreamed in a million years they'd ever have. And it's all because of getting around that book and a little bit getting around God's people. Amen. Amen. That's what makes it worthy, worth it. Make sure to maintain forward Good. momentum. Now, this is deep. I want you to catch this. Uh, maintaining forward momentum reduces the risk of backsliding. Yes. I know. Let that soak in. That's deep. Amen. And I tell you what, it'll keep you from standing still. I know. Even better than that, it'll keep you from going the wrong direction. You know, when you get sitting around and, 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 and not doing nothing, you know what the next thing you do in this day and age is you start Googling. And boy, there's heretics on the Internet laying in wait. And we deal with that traveling around the country. People that have been uh, distracted and derailed and, and uh, amen, because of uh, Internet heretics. Just stay busy for God. You don't have time for the devil to catch in one of them things. Amen. Reaching forth unto that which is before will keep you from dwelling on that which is behind. We're talking about our text tonight. It said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So let's break that down. Press toward the mark. The mark is the target. The mark's the bullseye. The mark's the goal. In the Bible, as a noun, it refers to a crowd of people like, like with Zacchaeus, but it's not a noun here. Uh, it means to persist steadfastly. That's a Bible word, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Uh, to press stead, persist steadfastly in pursuit of an undertaking task, journey, or goal to persevere in the face of this difficulty. 
Paul said press, regardless of what's going on. Paul didn't just look ahead. He didn't just reach ahead, reaching forth. He pressed ahead in spite of all opposition. Hold your plate there, but go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Now you, in spite of all opposition, look with me in verse 24. I don't care nothing about your bladder, but, uh, but uh, when, I leave, when a church service gets over, and you guys are still hanging around 45 minutes later, that tells me I don't have to rush. Right. Amen. And with, let me say this. <laughs> people hanging around is the sign of a healthy church. Amen. Religious people don't do that. All right. 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 24, Paul says this, Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Thri once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I had been in the deep. Let me tell you something. I was a paratrooper. I jumped out of airplanes uh, many times for the army. That was nothing compared to being shipwrecked and floating around on a log with fish bigger than you are. That, could, that would terrify me. Amen? I just had to put that in there. You're looking at me like, are you guys familiar with the expression a tree? I mean, a, a, a tree full of owls, you know, look, what? Okay. Now you've messed me up. i got to start over. All right, so, no, I won't. I won't, I won't, I won't. Verse number 26, 2 Corinthians 11. In journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen. Now that's that song we sang last night. In perils of mine own, oh, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen. In perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst and fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things which are without that which cometh upon me daily. And what's that? And he puts it right up there on the list of all that other stuff. The care of all the churches. That boy learned to persevere. He, he knew about pressing in spite of difficulties, in spite of opposition. Uh, Bob Jones Sr. one time said, you know, the test of a man's character uh, is what it takes to make him quit. The prize, press toward the mark, then he said, of the prize. You ever heard this saying, keep your eyes on the prize? Uh, Philippians 3 and verse 8. Let's look at the prize. I'm almost done. Verse 8. Paul speaking, he said, Yea, countless, and I count, I count all things for loss, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness, of, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Verse 10, here's the prize, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The pride is to know him. Amen. Uh, not just his Savior. That's not what Paul's talking about. That's a done deal. He's talking about uh, to know him better. Are you saved? Amen. Well, that's a done deal. You know him as Savior. But, but even though there's nothing more important than salvation, there, there's a lot more to this thing than just salvation. That's just where we start. Amen. To know him better is the prize we all need to keep pressing, pressing toward. Amen. To grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. The verse finishes, our text finishes, and take your Bible and go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Now, my opinion, I'm going to call it that. The high calling of God in Christ Jesus it says in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 21, If a man therefore purge himself, won't come automatically, 
Uh, if a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel. Look what that says. A vessel under honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use. Amen? And prepared unto every good work. The high call, if you ask me, what's the high calling of God in Christ Jesus? Is it some position? Is it some degree? Is it some... Well, it's in here in, a, in an epistle uh, written to just regular people like me and you. That tells me the, the, pro, the high calling of God is available to every Christian. And sometimes I guess I've read it and I thought, well, that's kind of lofty, that's kind of spooky, that's Paul. Uh, no, no, that's every Christian can be a vessel, meat for the master's use. Wherever you are, wherever God's got you, whatever God's got you doing, you can be a vessel under honor that God can use the master can use to point people to him. How's it getting better than that? Amen. Amen. Now, that's the message to you Christians. We're going to have all the call, and I uh, pray you do something with it. But if you're in here and you're not saved, then we're, we're glad you're here. Amen. And, uh, but I just got to say that message wasn't for you. Amen. Now, whoever might be in, maybe invited you didn't know uh, uh, what was going to be preached, but tonight's message was to the Christians, and, but I don't want you to feel left out. Uh, actually, I don't even care about that. What I do care about is there is a message for you, and it goes like this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him, that's you, should not perish, because without him you will, uh, should not perish, but have ever, but everlasting life. Jesus Christ went to the cross to make a way for sinners like us. We're all sinners. Some are saved sinners. Some aren't saved yet. Uh, but to make a way for people like us to get our sins forgiven so we can end up in the right place when this is over. Because there's only two choices, and one of them is great, and the other one is, I can't, I can't comprehend how great heaven's going to be. And the Bible tells us that, 1 Corinthians 2. You can't comprehend how bad hell's going to be. And you don't want to find out. And Jesus Christ made a way for you to miss it. And it seems like it might be a good idea that if you're not sure that you're going to miss it, you might want to let somebody open a Bible and Maybe answer a question or two or spend a few minutes with you and just show you what the book says. It's your call. It's your choice. But uh, that's the reason you're here tonight, whether you realize it or not, if you're not saved. Now, if you are, you listen to your pastor who is coming as I speak. That's your cue. Let's all stand. The Lord spoke to you, the altar's open. You don't have to wait for Joe to play. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that music has to play for you to respond to God. It's a nice accompaniment, it's a help. But the Lord spoke to you, I pray you'd respond. Heads bowed and eyes are closed. You know, I was just looking at that passage. Vessels of honor, prepared and meet for the master's use. Do you realize the vessels have a purpose? Here's what's really funny about a vessel. It doesn't matter how pretty or ugly it is. It literally exists to carry something else of greater value in it. That's what you're here to do. And you're here to, to, to move with purpose and intention closer to that prize. That, that prize, now you... Yes, the Bible speaks of crowns at the judgment seat of Christ, but, but the prize isn't the crown. It's the one on the throne. What a prize. <laughs> what a prize. 
Can I, can I challenge you, Christian? The world is constantly moving. And even if you think, well, I'm not, I'm not going along with all that. I'm just standing still. You standing still is not the same as forward momentum. I'm going to tell you one of the things that's really good about revivals. I love you, but some of you are stagnant. And God's trying to just poke you and provoke you to get you beyond you. There is no, listen, revival is not, we hooped, we hollered, we had a good time, it was exciting, it was fun, yay. I, I like that, but that's not revival. You know what revival is? Is God being allowed to go into the, the rooms of your life where there was life, there was God's involvement, there was God's usage, and those, those rooms are dead, they're dark. Spurgeon's background is different than mine but I can tell you as someone that spends a lot of time with business people man this world does not have the answers you know what people crave purpose you've got it in Jesus Christ but you'll never realize it if you hold on to the past. And and you'll never realize it if you hold on to pride. Can I, can I just give you this, Christian? A couple things. Not every fight is one you have to get involved in. Okay? Thing number two. You're probably not going to be a better theologian than Paul the Apostle and win an argument on Facebook with somebody and become a spiritual giant that way. Okay? That's not going to happen. So get out of that room. Get out of that space. You know what else I know? The people God uses are the ones that aren't bent on always wanting to be right. They are bent on wanting to do right. And there's a difference. There's a difference. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for plain preaching. You know what's funny about this book? Oh, these and thou's are so hard to understand. Heard that before. You know what's crazy about that? The men that preach this book are the ones that talk plain. You ever notice that? And the ones that have the, the Bibles that are supposed to be easier for you to understand, they speak in such lofty language that when you leave, you're like, what should I be doing? If you walk out of here tonight and you don't know what to do, you weren't listening. That was a blessing. That was a blessing. Lord, lift me up and let me... No, don't worry, I just... I'm just having fun. You're good. I, I think one of the greatest things to do is torment the piano players. You start singing like, what, do I play again? You know? Uh, but uh, as, it's good to be here tonight. Thankful to have some folks from New Beginnings and Divide come our way. And uh, that's a blessing. Um, we were joking before church uh, with someone from their church, me and, brother, me and Pastor Campbell, uh, about the fact that, hey, look, if it's a Baptist church and it starts with new, just don't even bother going there. They're a bunch of crazy people. Uh, new beginnings, new heights, uh, but uh, all that said, it's a blessing to have fellowship with other like-minded believers, and I appreciate them coming our way. Uh, be here tomorrow night if you can make it. Uh, let me encourage you, grab somebody. Bring someone to church. I am going to, uh, stay on, we'll talk afterwards. There's some people at work I'd like to try to get here, um, but uh, maybe think about someone who needs to hear um, what God can do um, when the gospel is preached and how God can change someone's life. Uh, Brother Spurgeon will be giving his testimony tomorrow night.
And let me say this about that. He does not waltz in here. He doesn't waltz in anywhere, actually. Waltzing's not his thing. Yeah, he's not a waltzer. Uh, but he doesn't come in here and say, let me tell you about my... He doesn't do that. I have to ask him that. He doesn't want to do that. He'd rather preach on something else. He's doing it because I asked him because he believes God can use it. So my encouragement to you is go out and, and get a family member. All right? Reach out to someone. Reach out to a friend and get them to come to church and go, hey, you need to hear this. Um, God can do a great work. Uh, we've got uh, some young people, about 10 young people are supposed to be coming tomorrow night. Uh, go find someone. Bring them to church and uh, see what God can do. All right? So we'll see you tomorrow night. And after tomorrow night's service, We'll have some fellowship as well. If you got a blessing from the Word of God tonight, would you say amen? Amen. And if you didn't, would you be quiet and just leave quietly? <laughs> All right? All right? Let's go ahead and close in a word of prayer. I, I do want to say this, and I'm not trying to pick on you, but Emily, uh, yeah, I know. She hates when I do this. She got saved here in our church, and it was just so good to see her tonight. Uh, I haven't seen her in a while. And uh, she's a beautiful baby boy, Ezekiel, back there in the nursery. Make sure you get a chance to see that baby. We're glad to see you tonight, Emily. And uh, look forward to maybe meeting your husband in the future as well. Let's close in a word of prayer. And uh, uh, let's see here. Brother Elvin, appreciate you being here tonight, brother. And uh, Brother Elvin's one of those people that I think Brother Spurgeon remembers from way back in the day. And uh, year after year, uh, I swear they don't ever get any older. (laughs) If you look at a picture of Elvin and Rosa from 10 years ago, they literally look exactly the same. Uh, It's the Latino genes, of course, yeah. (laughs) Uh, But Brother Elvin, would you close us out in a word of prayer, please?